Don't stop. What a lot of people, keep going, what a lot of people didn't know is that Rush Limbaugh, y'all know who Rush Limbaugh was, he was off to the side where the camera couldn't see him, and he was doing this to the crowd, trying to drum him up for the president. So here's the way I feel about it. If Rush Limbaugh can do this to get the crowd up for the president, I'm going to do this to get people up on their feet for the King of Kings. Come on, church. Come on, the King is in the house. The King is in the house. Praise the Lord. The King is in the house. Hallelujah. Lord, we honor you today. There is no one like you. I love this scripture and I quote it often in Philippians chapter 2. The name that is above every name. The name that one day every knee will bow and every tongue, even the president, will bow and acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Amen. Give the Lord a final hand clap of praise as you're seated. Amen and amen. Let's be praying for our pastor. Uh, he, is, he is at home and uh, he's hurt his back, to be honest with you. He's hurt his back, but we know the Lord is able to heal. You know, and I, when I heard that, when he called me last night, he told me he'd hurt his back. And that's kind of a chronic thing, a continuous thing that he goes through every so often. I just thought, Lord, enough's enough. Heal the man of God. You know, just heal the man of God so he can go on about his, his ministry and leading the church. And, and you know, I, I just get tired of the devil attacking the people. we got a lot of sickness. we got a lot of illness going on in the church right now, a lot of grief. And enough's enough. I mean, I know we go through seasons of that, but enough's enough. The Lord's on the throne, and, and I'm just... How many of you are believing for divine healing? We had a lot of people come forward for divine healing. God is still on the throne. Amen. I'm just, I'm just looking forward to uh, people coming back and saying, you know, we prayed about this, and God just healed me miraculously. He does it all the time, and he can do it in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. Somebody say amen. Amen and amen. Well, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I want you to open them up if you would. Uh, you can remain seated for the reading of the word, but still yet, let's, let's be reverent before the Lord this morning. Psalm chapter 140, I'm just going to be reading a couple verses of scripture. And uh, to put things in context, this is a prayer that David prayed prior to him becoming king. This is a prayer that he prayed in a uh, time of great distress, a time when he was being pursued, when people were coming after him to take his life. In fact, uh, I'm jumping ahead of my notes already, but he uh, was in the cave uh, with his 400 mighty men, and he was, he was hiding from King Saul. King Saul, at this point, hated David, to be honest with you, was jealous of David and was coming to take his life. And David finds himself in this cave with his men. And outside of the cave were literally thousands of King Saul's uh, military men, the army. And they didn't quite know where David was, but the point of it is, is if they knew he was in there, they were going to kill him. And this is part of a prayer that David prayed before the Lord while he was in great distress, while he was going through this. So let's read it this morning, Psalm 140. It says, rescue me, Lord, from evil men. Somebody say amen. And keep me safe from violent men who plan evil in their hearts and they stir up wars all day long. Brother Marvin, would you pray this morning, sir?
Amen, amen. Without a doubt, when you read Scripture, we know that in the last days, the Bible says perilous time will come, there will be unspeakable darkness. The Bible even points out that there will be a great falling away, is what the Scripture says, before Christ returns to rapture the church. And even though we know that, and we read it in Scripture, and we acknowledge it as truth, and we accept it, I don't know how, even in my relatively young life, I'm 38 now, even in my life, there are things coming to pass that I never thought I would witness, that I never thought I would see. Uh, And about a year ago, to give an example of that, about a year ago, there was a law that was passed in Canada that stated, for an example, and, and, and to just, just, just to tell you how warped this thinking is, I'm just going to give you an example of it and to, to prove how crazy this law is. Let's say you had a son, a young, young son, seven, eight years old, and he came to you and he said that he wanted to be a girl. And he said that from that point forward, he wanted to wear dresses to school. That if you as a parent had say, was to say, that is not going to happen, I am not going to let you wear dresses to school, that this law then gave the government the right to come and take that child out of your home. That's the day and time in which we live. That's insane. You agree? That's the kind of stuff that, that's the kind of stuff that I never thought that I would see happen. We're living in a crazy time. We are without a doubt living in a time of lawlessness, and the Scripture warns us about that. And if you were here last Sunday night, you heard me quote some, some stats and statistics. I'm not going to repeat it. I'm not going to go through to it. But if you heard me quote some things that makes me as a parent especially fear what my children are going to face if the Lord tarries, if the Lord waits to return. And I think every parent has probably had that kind of an experience. You don't, you get to an age, y'all know this, you get to an age, especially as a parent, where you don't really so much worry about yourself anymore. You worry about your children and what it is they are going to face. And you find yourself praying not so much for even yourself anymore, You find yourself holding them up in prayer. Am I right, parents? And when you read Psalm chapter 140, verses 1 and 2, and it says, I just want to read it again, Deliver me, O Lord, from evil men. Preserve me from violent men who plan evil things in their hearts. That's the way one version reads. You'll see in this story of David again that before he became king, David realized that his nation under Saul, was in unbelievable spiritual decline. David recognized this. And the people's sin and selfishness was on full display, yet Saul, as king, basically did nothing about it. And then David soon finds himself, as we we talked about briefly, he finds himself being chased down by an army and by Saul, an army of men and by a king that by this point in time in Israel's history had for all intents and purposes shrugged off anything and everything representing God. And you know the rest of the story that by the time David lived out his life, he had made a huge difference. He became king. We know all the stories that went through his life. And at the end of his life, 
he had made a huge difference in things. And I just simply want to say this. At the end of this age, and we are at the end of the age, somebody say amen. If you don't believe that, then, then you are crazy. You ain't reading scripture. If you don't, I mean, I mean, we are there, folks, and we are at a day and time in which you and I, as part of the remnant movement of God, as part of the remnant movement of God, you and I are truly called to make a difference in this nation. God forbid that we as the remnant people of God be like Saul, who had power, who had influence, yet refused to do anything about the sin and the lawlessness and all of the nonsense that was going on in the nation. God forbid we be that way. David recognized it as a problem. He saw what was going on, and again, when he became king, he took steps. Somebody say amen. And we are called to be like David and to make a difference. We are called to be light in a dark, dark world. And we are living in a time when sin is frankly no longer shameful. We are living in a time when categories of sin, when you read some of Paul's writings and the things that Paul basically says, um, if you do this and this and this and this and this and this and this, you ain't getting in. We are living in a day and time now where those issues are no longer a matter of sin, but now they are a matter of politics. And everybody's fighting for their right to sin and get government protection for their sin and to shame anybody else that thinks it's sin and to show off their sin and to march for their sin. And we are living in that day and time in an era and God forbid that we as a church be like Saul and turn our noses away from it but that yet we would ultimately rise up and be like David and as part of the remnant church, use our power and our authority to do something about it in this world in which we live. We are living in a day and time when the self, the self has risen to God-like status. I, I'll be honest with you. I get so sick and tired, and I'm not trying to be on my soapbox, but I can't help it. When I hear people talk all the time about, well, you just need to discover yourself. I need to take a year or two off out of high school and go discover myself. I need to take, you know, a, a walk around Europe and backpack around Europe to discover myself. Well, what does that even mean? No, what you need to do is you need to discover Jesus. And what you need to do is that when that hole that you are trying to find through everything else, whenever you find Jesus, you will discover what life is really about, and not just life, but life more abundantly according to the Word of God. You will discover what things are about. You will discover not yourself, because it ain't about you. I hate to tell you that. This ain't about you. I know I just disappointed a lot of people, but this ain't about you. This is about King Jesus. You don't need to discover self. You need to discover Jesus. And then you will find satisfaction. Then you will find peace and joy that surpasses all understanding according to the word of God. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. God is looking to the remnant to stand in the gap and to be the light of Christ that shines 
with a difference. A difference. We are not to reflect the world. We are to reflect Jesus Christ, and that's different. We are to be different. And just like moths are attracted to a flame, people will be attracted to Christ. How many of you want to be part of the remnant? How many of you want to be a part of the light? Raise your hand. Come on, we don't need any of this half-heartedness. How many of you want to be a part of the light? Raise your hand. And again, to repeat myself a little bit, David was in this cave. He was hiding and he was preserving his life when he wrote this psalm. Now, now think about that. He's in the cave. He's actually in the cave. The enemy is just outside the entrance of the cave. They don't really even know that he's in there. He's hiding, he's secluding, and he's pinning this psalm while he's being, while the enemy is just right outside. Imagine that scene. He's writing this psalm while all that's going on. There's a mad king that's outside trying to pursue him and find him and kill him. And everywhere David turns, there's violence and there's death. In fact, the Bible even points out that David's own men who were in the cave with him were trying to convince him to basically take matters in his own hand and go out there and put enough, you know, say enough's enough, go out there and kill the king yourself. Trick him and go out there and kill him yourself. So, but some of you need to realize that's not how God operates. How many of you know God never really says to you, you know what, you go take this matter into your own hands. You know what, you just, you, you know, enough's enough. You, you know what, you just do what you want to do. You take this matter into your... How many has the Lord ever told you to do that? I didn't think so. What it's always been my experience is that whenever I'm ready to do something like that, the Lord just says, nope, step back, I got it. Now that's hard to do. Come on. That's hard to do even as part of the remnant church. You want to take matters into your own hands. And God says, nope, I got this. And you have to sit back and you twiddle and you try and give your fingers and you try and give God advice on what you think he ought to do. And he's basically just saying, shut up. I got this. I know how this is. And how many of you know whenever the Lord steps into the scene to fight your battles, it's always far better. Always far, far better. Mm. Taking things into your own hands. That's not how the heavenly kingdom operates. That's not how God's kingdom operates. So instead of fighting back with swords... And with more violence, he prayed this prayer to God and that it was a prayer of deliverance. He basically said, God, here I am. I'm trapped. I got, I got the enemy on the outside. I got people telling me to do things in here, my buddies telling me to do things in here that I really don't need to be doing. I, I, you're just going to have to deliver me, God. You're going to have to get me out of this tight situation. But not just deliver me from the murderers and the army that are outside the cave trying to kill me, but God, deliver me from all this wrong, negative influence going on in here with me. Are you hearing me now? You see, David's men were with him. They were for him. They were on his side. But all they had to offer him was human solution. And if you are going to be a part of the remnant church, if you are going to be a part of God's last day move, if you're going to be a part of being a light in a dark place, you cannot operate under man's solutions, mankind's type. You have to operate on kingdom principle, kingdom solution, and when you want to in your own flesh, just step back, let God be reflected through you, let the light shine in the dark place, and let the Lord take the lead. That's what we're called to do. That's why we're on the earth. But David, he was a type of what I call, he was a Christ type in the Old Testament. I'm not saying David was Jesus. I don't mean that. 
But what I'm saying is that there were elements about him in Scripture that point out that there were, there were types and shadows, so to speak, of the coming Messiah. And so that's who David was. He was somebody who was ruled and who was guided and who was empowered by the Spirit of God. He wasn't ruled and empowered by the self. He wasn't ruled and empowered by his own emotions. He wasn't ruled and empowered by his friend's influence. He wasn't ruled and, and empowered by the circumstance he found himself in. He was led by the Spirit. Now, you and I need to be some Davids that need to pray for deliverance because you said, well, deliverance from what? We're living in a wicked time. We're living in a wicked time. We need to be delivered from the influence of the enemy. We are called to be a part of the solution to this world's problems and not part of the problem. We need to get our minds back on spiritual things. Come on, somebody. We need to get our minds back on the spiritual things of God. Get our minds out of social media. Get our minds off the television, off the telephone. Get our minds off all the hobbies. Turn off all the stuff. Why? Because those things can, if left unchecked, they will poison your mind and spirit to the point that you will become just like the world. And what, and what, here's what happens. And when you're just like the world, yet you're in the church, you want to come in, you want to love God, but yet you want to operate like the world. You see, again, David's men, they were with David. They were for David, but they wanted to operate just like the world operated. They wanted to do things the way that Saul was ready to do things. And, God, and David said, no, 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 that's not how this is going to happen. God will have his day. And we as Christians are not to be like the world. We're not to be for God and a part of God, but yet operating like the world. We are to be led by the Spirit of God and let the Lord just shine through us. Just shine through us. You say, well, Josh, that's difficult. That's hard. I'm setting myself up for persecution. I'm setting myself up for failure in terms of the world standards. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. The world will hate you. The world will persecute you. But you are not called to fight back. You're not called to do an eye for an eye or a tooth for a tooth. You're to sit there and let God take control and just use you and shine through. Come on. We all the time think that the remnant church is going to be this great apostle that just goes in and beats up the devil and demonic spirit. Let me tell you something. The apostles, they suffered and died except John. Are you ready for that? Some of you say, man, I'm depressed now. No. We're to operate under the spirit. We're to pray for deliverance. We're to be the light. I pray, Lord... Give me a spirit different than the world's spirit. One that's different from the spirit of the age. You know, there is a spirit of the age. You know, and you say, well, what is that spirit? It's antichrist. It's an antichrist spirit. We, we need to say, Lord, we need to pray, God, give me your spirit. Lord, give me your thoughts. Give me your mind. Give me your compassion. Give me your love. David went on later on in that psalm to pray. Listen to what he said. He said, I said to the Lord... You are my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Listen to what he says. You have covered my head in the day of battle. Do not grant, O Lord, the desires of the wicked. Somebody say amen. 
and do not further his wicked scheme lest they be exalted. In other words, what he was saying was, Lord, cover my head in the day of battle so I can't hear the voice of the enemy. Dear God, if there's a prayer we need to be praying as a church, it's, Lord, cover my ears, cover my spiritual, cover me, Lord, protect me so I can't hear the enemy's taunts and his threats and his lies and his intimidation because what happened is too many people are believing the word of the devil as opposed to believing the word of the Lord. Some of you can't hear God because you spend all your time listening to the enemy. During the Civil War, it was well known, and I can't do it, so don't ask me to give you an example. But during the Civil War, the Southerners, the Confederates, they had what was called a rebel yell. Anybody ever heard of an expression called the rebel yell? Three of you have, thank God. I'm not alone. So the rebel yell was one of these things that at the time of battle, when one army would line up over here and the southerners were over here, the, the rebels, they would let out this battle cry. And evidently it was something unique. Evidently it was something different. And the whole point of it was, was to instill fear in the enemy that we've already got this thing won before there's ever even a fight. And they would scream and they would taunt. And, and it wasn't just like a loud scream. It had some kind of a weird cadence to it that some of them were actually taught how to scream this way. And, 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 and you know, if, if you've got a gun pointed at somebody and they're screaming at you and they're coming at you anyway, they're crazy. And the whole point of it was is that they are trying to intimidate you. They're saying, we're not afraid of you. We're not afraid of your guns. We're not afraid of your weapons. We're not afraid of your soldiers. And can I tell you, when it comes to the enemy, the enemy wants to scream his taunts. He wants to yell. He wants to distract. And so many people, the enemy starts screaming and yelling that they just tuck tail and run. And what God wants to do, according to the scripture, like David prayed, God, just protect my ears. God, I don't need to hear that intimidation. I don't need to hear those threats. I don't need to hear those lies. God, protect my ears. Imagine David's scene when he was fighting with Goliath. You all know how the, the enemy David, or how Goliath taunted David and taunted Israel, making fun of Israel, making fun of God, calling them weak and worthless and telling them that they're going to lose before the battle even started. And David had a choice. It's like I said, well, ago, he had a choice. He could have either listened to the word of the enemy, the devil, or David had to listen to the voice of the Lord. And the choice is ours today. You know, just as there is a word of God for us, the devil's got all kinds of words for you. You're not good enough. You'll never make it. This will never happen. You're too stupid. You're, you know, whatever. It's lies and it's taunts. And it keeps us from being the kind of light that we need to be. The question that you've got to ask yourself, church, is whose report are you going to believe? Whose report are you going to believe? Are you going to believe the report of the enemy or are you going to believe the report of the Lord in the Scripture? And I'm totally paraphrasing all of the Bible when basically God says, I've got this. I've already got this. How many of you glad King Jesus has already got this? Somebody say amen. And David believed the Lord which is why he had the anointing. 
and he had the courage to run headlong at the enemy. And David said this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45. He says, you come to me with the sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, who you have defied. So in other words, what David was saying is, you know what, Goliath, you think you have a word for me. No, 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 let me tell you, I've got a word for you. And when the enemy comes in and the enemy comes in and threatens you, what you need to tell him is, devil, I've got a word for you, by the way. And my word isn't on my own accord. My word comes straight from this. And I'm putting you on notice that we are part of the remnant church, that we are going to serve the Lord, that we are going to conquer in the Lord's name. We're not going down. We are going up. We're not defeated. We are the head. We're not the tail. We win. You lose. Is there anything you don't understand about this devil? And so when he tries to put you on notice, you put him on notice. And you build yourself up in the faith. David went on in Psalm 142. And he says this. He says, the righteous. Now, again, I'm going to remind you. I'm not trying to be repetitive, but listen to what he said. This is what he has the gall to say. He's in a cave. He's trapped. He can't get out. He knows that ultimately if he leaves, we know the story he did ultimately confront Saul. We know things into the, But he knows if he was to head out that he's going to be killed. But he actually has the gall. Listen to this. He has the gall to, to make a statement about himself. He goes on and he says this. He says in Psalm 142, he says, The righteous shall surround me, for you shall deal bountifully with me. Now, was David in a situation or circumstance in that cave to be dealt with bountifully? To be surrounded by righteous people? No, in fact, it was the exact opposite. He was surrounded by thousands and thousands of the enemy. He was surrounded by some negative influence by his own buddies, but yet he had the gall to say in the middle of that, you know what, enough of this situation. God's going to surround me with righteous uh, people, and God is going to bless me bountifully. Now, I don't know about you, but that's a man of faith right there. And if you know anything about David's life, you'll know that is exactly what happened and how things played out in David's life. Not only was God going to deliver him from the power of the enemy, but to put the right kind of people in his path to bless you so that you can bless others. You say, well, that was kind of a selfish prayer of David. Lord, Surround me with the right kind of people. And Lord, I pray that you will deal bountifully with me. What kind of selfish prayer is that? That's not very... Listen, I pray the Lord bless me all the time. And if you don't pray that prayer, there's something wrong with you. God bless me. Not, not so that I can heap it on myself, but so that I... Let me tell you something. God, God rarely, if ever, blesses you for your own sake. He blesses you so you be a blessing to others. And those blessings come in all kinds of forms. I'm not just talking about material wealth and, all, wealth and all that kind of stuff. The Lord blesses in all kinds of ways, but so that you can be a blessing unto other people. And if you want to be a light in this dark age, then you must believe, listen to me, church, you must believe that your life actually makes a difference. I don't know why it is, but the Lord over the last several months has just dropped that into my spirit that they just go through this ho-hum routine of life and they get into these ruts in life and they think, you know what, is this all there is to it? 
Is this all I'm called to do? You know what? Well, all I can tell you is, is that Paul, even though he was the great, a great Pharisee in his, own, in his own right before his conversion to Christ, and he had everybody's attention, and he had everybody's accolades and stuff, ultimately he went on to be a tent maker. And if you know anything about being a tent maker, that's one of the nastiest jobs you can have. But yet Paul found some satisfaction in just being a lowly tent maker. Come on. Are you hearing me? Your success in this life is not based on, on, on what kind of job you have, what kind of title, how many degrees, how much money you got. That's earthly success. If the Lord blesses you in those things, praise God. They're there for you to bless others. But true success is when the Lord blesses you for His kingdom's sake. Do you all believe that? I ain't convinced. Do you all believe that? I'm just being honest with you. That's the way it operates. And you see, that's running countercultural to what the world tells you. You've got to have this kind of a job, and you've got to make this kind of money, and you've got to have that degree, and you've got to make this, you've got to marry this kind of person, you've got to have 2.3 kids. I don't know how that's possible, but that's what they tell you you've got to do if you're going to be successful. Have the American. No, no, no. I don't want the American dream. I want God's dream for my life. What do you want? Let me tell you something. I heard just, just this morning, I heard this a long time, but it's a powerful point. One, a, a TV preacher, I remember who it was. I was just flipping channels. He made a great point. He said, you know what? He said, Jesus died a pauper. He actually had to borrow a tomb. Think on that. Borrow a tomb. But yet he was the king of kings. Listen, church. Light in a dark place. Why has the Lord got me in this factory? Why has the Lord got me working this job? Why has the Lord got me here? Why has the Lord got me there? Because you are to be a light. Just shine Jesus everywhere you go. Let the Lord minister to you and through you so that you can be a reflection. You know what? I pray a prayer. I honest to God, I pray this all the time. I ain't trying to be, I ain't trying to be goofy or so. I just pray, Lord, every time I walk into a room, I want to make a difference. Well, what kind of cocky man do you know? No, 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 listen. I, every time I walk into a room, I, want, I don't want people to just sit there and say, well, look at him. Doesn't he have a nice blue shirt on that his wife bought him? When I walk into a room, I want people to say, hmm, hmm, what's different about him? And I want that same thing for each and every one of you. That whether you're driving a school bus or a dump truck or an insurance salesman or a school teacher or a preacher or a factory worker, that when you walk into the room, everybody is just like, hmm, hmm. What is that light? What is that light? You know, the devil is an angel of light. But it's fake. It's a counterfeit light. What kind of light are you giving off? We are to be reflections of the light, Jesus Christ. Amen? I'm going to bring it to a close here in just a minute. So again, David, we understand that we are not to fight this fight with physical weapons as the people of this age do. But with spiritual weapons, that's really what David was fighting. His men were ready to fight with, with you know, swords and spears and javelins. And David's like, no, 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 that's not how this is going to be won. That's not how this fight's going to be won. David went to the Lord. He went to the Lord with the weapon of prayer. 
of supplication, meditating on God's Word, with spiritual works, study of the Word, with worship and praise and witnessing and on and on and on with the discipline. Those are spiritual disciplines. That's part of our warfare. David was saying, I see the day when the righteous will surround me. He was claiming a promise of God. And those hearts are going to be right and those people are going to make right choices. I would just, wouldn't it just be something if the church folk just kept, started making right choices? Wouldn't that be novel? When the church folk would just step up and do the right thing in the midst of persecution. Wouldn't that be something? You say, well, Josh, that's impossible. You're right. It is impossible unless you got the Holy Spirit in you. Empowering you, dwelling in you. Those people that do this understand that the true battle we face, we face with the power of God. And these men that follow David, they ultimately witness David living with a different spirit. David had a different spirit than they did. And his spirit impacted them. And ultimately, they began to take on David's spirit and David's character, and it changed an entire generation. Dear God, help us to change an entire generation. Help us, Lord, to change an entire generation. You say, Josh, that is a tall order. Well, if you was here last Sunday night, you know God is able to resurrect the dead. Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Yes, they can. Yes, they can. Finally, David actually believed, he actually believed that God would give him the victory in the midst of an overwhelming circumstance. How many of you ever had an overwhelming circumstance in your life? Look at your hands going up. And you're here today. God gave you victory in an overwhelming circumstance. And guess what? He can do it all the time. Nothing can limit him. Nothing limits him. Listen to what he said at the end of Psalm 140. He said, I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and justice for the poor. And surely the righteous shall give thanks to your name and the upright shall dwell in your presence. What a powerful statement. In the middle of his struggle and circumstance, he could have been killed at any moment, David was looking to the future, to a better time. And can I tell you, I told you earlier in, in, this, in, this scripture, in, in our scripture that, you know, that we're living in a day and time when perilous times will come. But I'm telling you, I am looking forward to a better time even in the middle of all that. You say, well, Josh, can God really bless and grow the church and me grow spiritually in the middle of perilous times? Absolutely. Because the darker that things get, the brighter your light will shine. That's what we're called to, church. We have to believe that God will actually give us victory. Well, I don't know. This is just such an overwhelming thing. I don't know if it's possible. Yes, it is possible. It is possible. I understand. Let me say this. I understand that in the natural, and I, I'm, I'm talk, when I say natural, I'm just simply talking about the way that the world views the church is what I'm talking about now. In the natural, I understand 
that the church is considered to be a weak thing. It's weak and anemic. That's the way the, the, the world views the church. But in the spiritual, guys, where the real fight is fought, the Bible points out that we are more than conquerors. And you say, well, Josh, it seems like that the church's back is up against the wall. Listen, have you ever seen Rocky? Oh, you have. You, you hypocrites. You know you have. Come on. Well, I'm, I don't watch that. Yes, you have. Some of you probably own the whole, all 12 of them or however many of them there are now. I don't know. On DVD set. We're going to watch it on the Christmas break. No, anyway. You say, well, you remember the scene when he's up against the ropes and he's getting... Let me tell you something. In the end, he came out swinging and he won. And let me tell you something, that church is not called in this, in this perilous time. You say, oh, the church is up again. No, the Lord is about to give the second wind. God is about, come on, God is about to give the second wind. And things are going to change. And the anointing is coming and the Holy Spirit is coming. We are not anemic. We are powerful in the spiritual. That is where the fight is fought. And the enemy all along thinks that he's got us whipped, that he's got us licked, that we're up against the rope. And he doesn't have any clue that all along God is standing right there refereeing this thing saying, I've got this. I've got this. In my time, it's going to happen. I've got this. Listen, you can be blessed in the middle of perilous times. You can be an overcomer in the middle of perilous times. Things all around you can be crumbling, but you can be a light for Jesus Christ. Because, let, me, let me tell you something. Because when everybody starts crumbling, and it's going to happen. It's happening now. It's going to happen. It's happening right now. When everything starts crumbling, people are panicking, and they're out of money, and they're out of... Guess who they're going to turn to? They're going to be looking for some light. Who's got the answer here? That's who we are called to be. That's who we are meant to be. The Bible points out that ultimately David lived to see the victory that he had believed for. I'm just believing if the Lord tarries, I'm going to live to see the things I'm believing for. There's some things I'm believing for I ain't never told anybody. And I'm sure the same is true for you. And I'm just believing they're going to come to pass. You say, well, that's just, you know, that's just goofy you know, spiritual talking. Well, you can call it whatever you want. I'm just going to believe the Lord for it. I'm just going to do it. You don't have to believe me. But I'm going to believe Him. Amen? I want to just give a quick example. I'm going to ask Pastor John, the praise team, if they would come just make their way forward. I just want to give a quick example of something. I remember a long time ago I watched a documentary and, and maybe, maybe some of you men in here can testify to the truth of this. I know we have some, some vets that fought in Vietnam, and maybe you can testify to the truth of this. I watched a documentary on Vietnam, and uh, the, the American Air Force, the Army and the helicopters, the American Air Force, when they would fly over, and I'm sure they do this even today, when they would fly over enemy territory at nighttime to do nighttime raids and operations and things like that, what they would many times be looking for, and think on this, they would be, you know, in jets flying hundreds of miles an hour, you know, 15,000, 20,000 feet in the air, and they would be looking down on just pitch blackness, you know, the earth below, and they would be looking, I kid you not, they would be looking for lights from a cigarette lighter. Now, is this true? Anybody can, can anybody verify this? Some hand, okay, some hand, people, yeah, you've heard this before too. 
And you say, well, why, what do you mean? Because think on this. Here they would be, you know, hundreds of miles an hour flying through the air in pitch blackness. They'd be miles above the earth. And the light from a cigarette lighter would let them know where the enemy was. If the enemy was stupid enough to light a cigarette in the middle of the night, our forces would be like, mm, bad idea. And they would follow that lighter, and they would drop a bomb right there where that thing was. You say, well, Josh, what, 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 what is all that? Now, that's kind of a crazy example to give to point this. Just a little light, just a tiny little light draws people in. It draws people in. And can I tell you that you are called to be the light of Jesus Christ in a dark, dark world. You say, well, Josh, I don't have a lot of light to give. You know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not Billy Graham. Well, who is? You know what I mean? I mean, listen, your light, if you'd stand this morning, how many of you remember singing the song when you were a little kid? And I'm not going to sing. Don't even ask me to sing. This little light of mine. Maybe I will. I'm kind of feeling it right now. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of got like one of them, uh, I don't know, 